millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs, and this is the H and J Daily. Some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we had a bit of a chat about various things, as always. We also entered the world of pigeon racing. Not literally. If we didn't have, enter a race, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but um, well, you're going to take me up north and then release me. See yeah, if I get back. That's right. I'm going to see if you can get home. <laughs> John Day was in. He's written a fantastic uh, book called Homing on the subject of pigeon racing, amongst other things, and uh, he was fascinating on. The yeah, subject. very good. We hope you'd yeah. agree. Uh, returning to the studio as well was uh, Elbow uh, frontman Guy Garvey. Uh, they've got a new album out uh, mm. called Giants of All Sizes, and it's a cracking album. And Guy was on excellent form. He was on good form, he? and you were on good form as well because you, you do like the music, yes. And at the end of it, Guy's offered you the chance to come perform on stage. Yeah, that would be a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> Some nice discordant keyboards <laughs> halfway through uh, one of the hits. Anyway, no, Guy was on good form, so uh, here it all is. everybody and uh, more Bulgarian denial from the goalkeeper today I oh, mean yeah. honestly it's ridiculous really I won't go into the full details but it's why you know he just said he didn't hear anything it wasn't that bad and you think this is why they have to be banned from international football because this denial although I see uh, Balakov, the manager, has apologised now. He has, yeah. yeah. He's, 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 he's had a bit of a think about it in light of everything that went on yesterday so he probably had a bit of a balaking we can <laughs> <laughs> that's why I think it's that, that's the way they say it over in um, in Bulgaria. We've had a, we've had a Christmas card, haven't we? As you traditionally read out the first Christmas card of the year, mm. I thought after yesterday uh, I'd go early for 2020. So happy Christmas from Ian <laughs> and his team. It Good. Says. Do you know who the Ian is in question? No, but well done to him. Okay. It's normally Beryl Blick. I don't know what's happened to Beryl this year. She'll be on a cruise. Early. We normally get one from a cruise in early <laughs> okay. December from Be- yeah. uh, Beryl. That's right. Now, watch the Ireland, uh, second half of the uh, Switzerland-Ireland game last yeah. night. and Ireland just didn't do enough for Switzerland. The late goal was a bit harsh, but they, they you know, in the end... So Mr. Penn, okay, Darren that was Randolph a wonderful made, save made by it. Randolph. He yeah. really held his nerve before committing to the to the save. It was brilliant. So but, it uh, does then come down to the game against Denmark, Denmark then, isn't yeah. it? Which is, yeah. Yeah, but like the producer said, you know, they, they'd gone for it in Georgia on Saturday. They probably wouldn't have worried about last night and mm. Switzerland you know they are a decent side and uh, they really played well for them Harris Seferovic yeah and I, th- I was thinking about it I'd love to take him to Countryside Day at Cheltenham in November 
Harris Tweed. He'd be right at home there. <laughs> he would be, yeah. He'd love it, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would. He'd absolutely love it. Uh, I tell you what was odd last night. I've never seen a match director do this, and I had to go back and check it that I hadn't missed it or been looking down or something. They didn't do a replay of the penalty. Have you ever seen that in a game? Basically, the penalty really? was given... The director stayed on the sort of argument between the referees. Seamus Coleman got sent off for a second yellow. There was a bit more schmozzle. They put the ball down. He took the penalty, scored. And they carried on. You think, yeah, what about the incident? Was it actually a penalty? It was a really weird bit of direction. I don't know what happened there. Great to hear the term schmozzle. Thank Back in much. the vernacular. Well, not bad, eh? <laughs> And well done to Gibraltar. They lost 2-3 oh, to yeah. uh, Georgia. 3-2, rather. But they, they got two goals. Oh, mate, Paul Breen-Turner was commentating. He's the go-to oh, commentator yeah. for well, Gibraltar football. That's, that's something good. to put on your business card, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is, really. Yeah. Yeah, tremendous. Well done. And um, Lembic, Lembic Opic. Oh, yeah. Oh, not Lembic Opic. <laughs> no, Lembic. Who used to be of this parish years and years oh, ago. really? Oh, yeah, he used to have a show on here. Talk sport? Well, talk, yeah. Okay, really? I think when, when we were half sport, half... Didn't, he, to, didn't he just guessed a couple of times? Well, I, mean, I don't think he had his own that. show. Yeah. He's a chairman of a company now that thinks mm. we'll soon be living in space. Okay. It's brilliant, isn't it? Can I have the house next door to David Icke? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds absolutely really? bonkers. We should get yeah. him in then. Oh, well, yeah, why not? Get him in. No problem. And people have rightly hammered Lewis Hamilton for his Instagram post on the environment. I mean, look, you know, no one's saying there isn't a problem. No one's saying that things shouldn't be done. But mm. honestly, you've got to look at yourself, Lewis. I mean, you, I wouldn't imagine anybody <sighs> in the world's got a bigger carbon footprint than Lewis Hamilton. Well, I don't know. I don't know. He flies all over the world all year round. He drives an, a gas-guzzling car that promotes driving. I mean, you know, yeah. you, if, if he turned around and went, I've had enough of all this, I've decided to retire immediately because... Shouldn't he go into Formula E based on his <laughs> pronouncements? Well, should, then. Or do that. Yeah. But do something, but don't hammer everybody else and then sort of think, well, what about you? I don't, these people don't seem to realise that. It's incredibly, you know, people think he's a hypocrite, which he is, you know. Okay, well, okay, that's there Lewis told them by well, Andy I Jacobs. Think it is, that's right. And and uh, Fleabag and Peaky Blinders have become big influence, influences on fashion, apparently. Have they really? Yeah. The, the, sa- what the sales of peaked caps or flat caps are, have gone through why, this. Why Fleabag from that point of view? Uh, to do with um, jumpsuits, black jumpsuits, apparently. There's been a 66% rise in sales of black jumpsuits. I'm trying to think, of, where, where, did she wear a black jumpsuit for some reason? Uh, uh, it's, that, it's that old thing about the, you know, yeah, the, the drug mules know. in leather, the drug mules leather jacket. No, no, David the Beckham Factor, you know, what a great book. David program. the Beckham Factor. <laughs> what a great program that was. Yeah. The David Beckham Factor. That's it. Yeah. No, every time David Beckham was here, he'd pick up a biro or something That's and suddenly different. sales That's of someone biros. setting out to be a trendsetter, isn't mm. it, really? If you, you know, if you see David Beckham in it, because he's a clothes horse, mm. it's slightly different seeing two people being led through, uh, a, a Thai airport under a blanket and immediately <laughs> looking at that saying, oh, that's a nice leather jacket. I wonder <laughs> I I'm getting that. That's not the first thing you should think, really, well, is that's it? that's right. Anyway, 25% increase in the popularity of flat caps. I would have said it was higher. Well, than Mike that, Parry really. wears one there. He wears yeah. a little peaky blinders cap, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, a lot of people do. John Terry does as well. Yeah, a lot of people okay. like that look. You've not, I mean, you're, you're a cap wearer, Andy, well, but I'm you not wear a, you no, wear I'm a, a baseball yeah, I'm cap. I'm not a peaky blinders type, really. I don't see you. I don't see you marauding the streets of Birmingham. Birmingham anytime soon really in one of those caps and 1880 so if you want to get one of those caps yeah. at any point but you don't want to buy one just go to a boxing match 
Uh, go to a boxing match, you'll find one dropped on the floor outside almost certainly because <laughs> I don't think you can get in the most boxing. You can't get into a night of an on a Thursday. Yeah, Cheltenham on a Thursday or a boxing match if you're looking for a free cap. You'll, if you keep looking, you'll definitely find one. 1880 was the best year for happiness, apparently. Is that right? Yeah, until uh, Wasn't was that a kind of sea of rickets and people dying of the flu and things like that? It was the 1880. First, it was the first ever test match, which we obviously lost. So that was the end of happiness. Yeah. It was okay. for me anyway. I think there was a lot wrong with the 1880s. Um, yeah. So. I, they never made a series, did they, where you had celebrities saying, I love the 1880s. <laughs> Didn't have ex-Towie no. people saying, I remember that time. I think it was, yeah, I had a terrible consumptive cough, even though I hadn't been born. I know, it's amazing. It's to do with the fact that, you know, it was the age of empire and Britain was very proud of itself, you know, so I suppose that's why people were generally satisfied. Uh, <laughs> I suppose, I don't know. <laughs> Can we leave it there? We could do because it. there's so much we've got to get on with, it's yeah. far more relevant than that. I agree. So she's what happened to Heather's 1880. There's nothing we can do about it now, is there? Really. We can't long for the days of 1880 when people were dropping like flies no, for, stuff, for, for stuff you could now cure with a kind of a couple of course of tablets. I know, I agree with you. I, I mean, they were, not for me. If you were living in the slums of the inner cities of Liverpool, Manchester, London, Birmingham, etc., your life was hell in 1880. <laughs> oh, look, I don't want to dwell on this, Annie. We'll move no, on. We'll move on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. I was born with a trust that didn't survive the white noise of the lines. Oh, the white heat of injustice has taken my eyes. I just want to get high. I am the great collector. I tally catalogue and hold to the light Forgotten scenes of love That is uh, White Noise, White Heat from the new Elbow album, Giant, Giants of All Sizes, that came out last week. And making a welcome return to the studio from Elbow, Guy Garvey. Good to see you, Guy. I like your new studio. Yeah, quite flash, aren't they? It's great. Nice view. Yeah, very yeah, nice. Isn't people it? You, are, you are living in London these days, of course, yeah, aren't you? You've moved yeah. down for family reasons. Yes, I've got a little boy. I've got a two and a half year old and I, I live in, uh, in Norwood now, top oh. of Streatham Common. Oh. Yeah. How are you finding the, the, the... I mean, you obviously spent a lot of time here, but you are very much a, a Manchester man, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm back home in Manchester often enough, like on a weekly basis, hmm. not, not to miss it. Um, and I'm finding it really good fun exploring London. Um, I do have occasional days, like uh, I found myself on Saddleworth Moor the day before yesterday. I hmm. went up to our new Poet Laureate's house. He's an old friend of mine, Simon, okay. Simon Armitage. And he was driving me to his house. He, he moved six miles from where he was born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as we went up over the moors, the space and the freshness, I have to admit, it was like, wow, I miss this. Yeah. But, um, but in terms of excitement and mm. things to write about, I'm finding London really interesting. The, the, the album is it's kind of a, a bit darker, maybe lyrically, than, than usual, but yeah. because it's kind of shaped by what's going on in the world and also mm. some notable bereavements yes, in your uh, life. lost my father a year ago in March, and then this time last year, um, two very close friends of one another and the band died in the space of eight days, one from a heart attack and the other from... Uh, a bad reaction to cancer treatment. Um, a stunner. Really, really mm. shocking, you know. Um, there's been lots of great things happen. Yeah. But, but the music, we already had the music sort of simmering. Uh, we started the album in Hamburg and 
we all picked up our guitars again for the first time in a while. I've not played electric guitar since 2003. And, right. and so we, we were digging in and it was a heavier sound. So it's it's drawn on the heavier subject matter of the last couple of years. So it's everything from the B word. So did because you, you yeah, 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 of course. I mean, yeah, un, understandably, and, and, and also uh, the song we just listening to, I uh, kind of alludes to to the Grenfell fire as well, yeah. doesn't it? And yeah, well, when my son was born, we 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 lived initially in Queens Park, which is not too far from there at all. Um, and the proximity of that disaster to to the bombing of Manchester Arena, which is of course very very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, they were both they were both just such huge appalling uh, I had some pause over writing about Grenfell because I'm essentially a, a rich uh, white middle class man you know mm. uh, and but then I, I, then I wrote the song from the point of view of what use am I what use is songwriting that's what the lyrics really say and they were about the fact that um you know, uh, the sort of enforced lethargy of having to... You, you can't ponder it for too long. It's its yeah. its too disturbing that people burn to death for being poor in the richest borough in the country. Mm. It's like, uh, or, or that a son of Manchester takes his own life and that of a load of children. Yeah. You know, it's its like... Um, so, yeah, I had to write something in the end. I, mm. I, I couldn't write one day like this under the current circumstances. Yeah. Mm. The, 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 the tower itself, the block itself, has still got incredible... Power of shock, isn't it? When you when you go past it, it was a while back since, but it does takes your breath away when you're when you yeah. when you see it, and it, it you kind of it kind of mm. I drive past it a lot. Yeah, you yeah. kind of it's a shock when you see it, and when you do, it does kind of make you gasp, doesn't it? Really, when what went on there? It's kind of you, you know when you hear stories about how many people fell off the Empire State building it. Yeah, you know, and you you think that this kind of thing's consigned to history, like this sort of disregard for human life, the sanctity of it, and and yet. You know, in favour of landlords and business, there's been this slow erosion of safety measures that leads mm. to this appalling thing. I think, as well as sort of the dismay and the bewilderment of what happened coming through in that song, there's also, I, I think, uh, a sense of culpability for being part of a society that didn't prevent those things. Mm. You know, I think we all have to own it to stop it happening yeah. again. Oh yeah, There's, there there are there are uplifting songs as you can imagine as well. There's mm. one track on there I thought was interesting, "Onda Ronda Road," and <laughs> I listened to it and it's got this kind of big <clears throat> echoey, <clears throat> kind of sweeping uh, vocal harmony sound to it, and I thought. It's quite quite fleet foxes in its own way, so I was oh, thinking yeah. it's, it sounds very big. It's probably somewhere in Montana. It's in Tulse Hill, isn't it, in <coughs> southeast London? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is. Uh, it's it's on the route to my son. My son goes to a thing called Whippersnappers, mm. which is at uh, Brockwell Lido, and, it, and it's uh, it's a load of kids with with drums going bananas. Uh, and yeah, you go past one of the stops is Deronda Road. So I was always singing to him, "We're on Deronda Road." <laughs> and, uh, and it ended up becoming this just this lovely moment, you know. Yeah. Looking looking at his little face. You should do an album of kids songs. Wheels on the bus and many more. <laughs> Honestly, I, I've I've wanted to do something like that for so long. I'd, I'd love to do. It. I've been trying to get the lads to do it. Yeah, big anthemic production. We call that maybe yeah. there could be someone who's making a children's program who's looking for someone to write. That's the, we call that in football. Come and get me, play guys. Oh really? The come word, and get me, play. The word may go out there. You might be getting inundated with offers. Come on, here I am. I'm yeah. not busy. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're kind of writing nine to five now, aren't you? Which, I, yeah. I, I, how easy is that to do? I mean, obviously, when the kind of 
the muse takes you. I mean, I wonder if you're kind of wandering around Tesco's with your little boy and he's in the trolley and he's you're feeding him bread rolls and a line comes <laughs> in the air. Do you have to I, write I, it down? I, these days, I bark it into my phone. I, I use the voicemail all the time. Yeah. Because uh, you can get melodies in there straight away as well, of course. Um, but yeah, no, um, the transition was was not that difficult. I thought it would be weird. I've, I've had all my time to myself mm. all my life, and then as soon as you've got a nipper, it, you know, you, you have to compartmentalise mm. and set yourself a timetable. Um, but it, it works really well, actually. Yeah. I, uh, I was talking to uh, my best friend, Peter Jobson, who, who was from I Am Clute. Mm. I've got a soundtrack company with him. He works in his garage. He's got a studio in his garage. And we were talking about the fact that if it's a day of writing, just blank canvas writing rather than to any kind of brief, you you kind of, honestly, your ability to sort of mess about and not get round to it. And then in the last two hours, you absolutely floor it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's when the good stuff happens. In but the you last have to go hours. to another space. You physically go to an office, don't you? Near, yeah. So you can't, you don't feel you can do it at home because it's just too many distractions. Yeah. I mean, having said that, I, 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 I am building something at home right. uh, very, very slowly, but the buzz in Brixton, that's where I've got my writing room. Okay. It's just, it's so exciting, you know. It's, it's just like, I walk past the, the Bowie mural. Mm. Yeah. Uh, opposite the tube every day to get to work. And, yeah. And if you ever get stuck for something to write, you only have to walk around Brixton for 20 minutes. <laughs> it's interesting, the concept of going to work like that. Yeah. But also, in an interview, you were talking about the fact that you, even though the, the album is heavier than previously, you still enjoyed making it, you still have fun doing it. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, the getting stuck in on 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 the uh, the heavier themes, you know. I mean, really, it is a record about mourning, mm. uh, but it's a more complete album than uh, perhaps the last few have been. They're, they've all been a little bit more collections of songs, and this is very definitely a suite. Uh, but you know, we, go, we went to Hamburg to kick it off, mm. and we went to a really well equipped, beautiful studio, but in a quite a desolate. Uh, industrial environment uh, and I think that's partly where the heavy came from yeah um, uh, but yeah digging in with your guitars like like we were young again I suppose it does I mean I remember years ago the, the, the Paul Weller they made a jam album I think in just off Oxford Street and they'd made the previous album summer in Oxfordshire and he said just the, the the act of getting into Oxford Street either getting caught in traffic or stuck on a tube by the time you got there you were you were quite yeah. uptight and quite angry and you and you you attack the songs in a different way this this is true I, I I sort of um I've only I've only proper nearly gone gone under on the tube once since I arrived <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it was it was it was very very close but for the most part I find it absolutely fascinating mm. and amazing and far from being overcrowded and too hot and blah 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 most of the time everybody's working together to make sure everyone gets home or to work it's like uh, uh, there's, there's something of the mute ballet about the tube <laughs> yeah, yeah I know what you mean <laughs> yeah we discovered that yeah. in, it's a signal failure in, in Rio yeah. when we were there <laughs> for the World Cup I did, yeah, have you played you've been, have you played in Brazil or worked over there before as a band no the only where in South America we've been is uh, Mexico Right, okay. Yeah. Well, what they don't do in Brazil is that thing that we do is if people want to get off the train, there's a lot of people on it already by the door, everybody gets off and, that's, yeah. and then they get back on again. <laughs> Not in Brazil. Basically. Oh, really? You, 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 you kind of crowd surf. Right, you go over the top. doesn't matter if you're a nan <laughs> or you a do. kid. You basically have to crowd surf out, out and then God, you're kind of dispensed. Yeah, it's, it's a I bit use of a Moose as a blocker. Like well, yeah, one of, our guys, one of our guys, he's, he's a bit of a unit, <laughs> Big so, guy, so we used him as a battering ram. I heard you did a cover, the band did a cover of Wichita Lyman, 
the Jimmy Webb song on, yeah. on radio recently, and I was wondering, had you ever thought of doing a kind of covers album, or does that not interest you as a band? Well, yeah, we've done quite a few covers down down the uh, down the years. We did the the ad this Christmas. Oh yeah, the Golden John Lewis said Golden Slumbers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that that was a really good way of selling our best of actually. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I think I think we did uh, we did the Beatles a bit of a, a favour as well. Yeah, there's a lot of young people who didn't know the song. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Mm. Uh, but no, that was great, and yeah, we've done it for B-sides, and then more often, like this one, a, a radio session will yeah. ask for something special, uh, but good fun doing that, yeah, really yeah. good. So you're you're touring as well, you're in the States and around Europe, and then doing some gigs here next year around the album as well, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, starting, starting Manchester at the end of March, uh, and yeah, we're doing... Three nights at the Apollo in Manchester, three nights at Hammersmith Apollo, and yeah. and a load of places in between. Going to the States, I think just for 10 days, and Mexico in January. Uh, but, yeah, it's great. We've just been doing these little uh, kind of almost like in-store gigs to promote yeah. the album's release this week, but in larger venues nearby. So we did two nights at Manchester's Ritz. Oh, nice. Uh, sorry, two gigs last night mm. at the Ritz, which is where I used to go and try and get a snog when I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> Never worked. <laughs> uh, you turned up as well, a, a young, a very young a, a boy, uh, Guy Garvey, in our mate's book, Andy Smart, the comedian. Oh, yeah. Comedy yeah, store yeah. player. Uh, he, he shared a house with your sister Karen in He's Liverpool. He's written a book. He's written a book. Oh, and it's in good. It, he said uh, he went to the wedding when she uh, married uh, a French guy and the guy was six. You were six. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And you it. played football in the car park outside the church hall. That's true. Does he mention the ballet dancing? It, uh, yes, he does. He, he, he outs himself <laughs> on the ballet dancing in the book. Do you know, know, the weirdest thing was, I, I, I ran into Andy. I've not seen him since then, mm. but of course knew who he was and saw him on the telly. And then we were in Australia, in Melbourne, um, and it was one of those weird things. We're walking past a restaurant and there's a table with like 12 blokes here. And I kind of really weirdly just recognised them all at once. <laughs> and it was a British cast of 12 angry men. Oh, yeah. yeah. Including Andy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they were all comedians. Uh, and you, have you ever been around comedians competing? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's tried, a... tried jet lagged, leathered comedians. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. it, was, it was pretty wild. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Right. Uh, I, I don't think I'd eat this, but a pub in Kent is serving Kentucky Fried Squirrel. Basically, uh, what does the colonel make of that? It says here, locals are lapping up the eco-friendly dish. Well, I suppose there are a lot of squirrels. So, uh, served deep fried in crispy batter. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. Colonel Nutkins. Going to start a franchise. Yeah, uh, no. Um, there's been an ongoing thing. I think if you've seen this, the F- football supporters uh, federation not particularly happy at the moment. Um, they're trying to find out what the Premier League fixtures are from the broadcasters. The next oh, yes, tranche of games in yeah, some December. Happy about this. December well. and January, but so they can start. You know. Well, planning hotels and just planning around Christmas, planning their lives. Yeah. But for some reason, getting these few games over the line in the Premier League uh, by the, the TV companies is proving a major problem. Um, I wonder and, why uh, that should know, be. Is it? I, I've got no idea. But a lot of the supporters' trusts from all the different clubs in the Premier League have been sounding off about it. So maybe it will give everybody a bit of a jolly up. Yeah, well, it should do. I mean, yeah. people, you know, it's. It, because you can't plan it without knowing. Because they, no, of course not. To, yeah, exactly. Uh, now these trainers that we've been talking about, these are the the, yeah. the, the Elliot Kipchoge trainers that he wore uh, to uh, break the sub two-hour marathon record. And we were told yesterday by uh, a Times journalist who mm. wore them for um, uh, just in his normal run, he blitzed his time. He said they made a huge difference. So you're quite keen, aren't you? Well, but also Crawford Mackey were. Wrote to the Times from Edinburgh. Man with two surnames. That's very much so. As it is often the case. That's old Billy Connolly routine about (laughs) the man, isn't it? Really, it is. You've either got two first names or two second names. He's got two second names. He um, he basically is eighty years old. He's just completed a hundred five k runs on the Cramond Park run in Edinburgh. Oh yeah, but he can't manage to do better than the sub thirty minutes he did in two thousand and sixteen when he was only seventy eight, and. being Scottish, he said, I'm not about to pay 240 quid for trainers. Being Scottish. <laughs> That's not your word, is it? <coughs> no, is he says, in, uh, yeah, no, it's Crawford he writing. That. I yeah, say, yeah, blimey, I'm not before we start that. getting phone calls. Yeah, don't, don't Crawford sh- said it himself. Crawford, quoting from Crawford's letter, he said, yeah. I generally aim for comfort and add my own cushioning. However, I have a deal for Nike. If it sends me a free pair and I then run sub 30 in them, I'll pay them 240 quid. Oh, okay. And I did so think actually, it's I not quite, a bad way to buy trainers, no, no, is it? That's really? a good idea. I thought I'd buy a pair. And then I'd wait till one of those people come up behind me, and then I put the afterburners on. Yeah, not, I don't think it made that what much of, difference. What sort of? Yeah, you often tell us like you know, someone, mm. somebody just walking, just going for a, a slow stroll along the is. footpath. They overtake you. God knows. Are you on just, a treadmill, or you, maybe that's it? Are no, you're actually I just running. I just, I'm just slow. I mean, you know, it right. happens to you. you. Slow down. I mean, I used to do a run. We're in the old house, and when I started doing this run, I think my best time was 29. And by the time I moved 40 years later, my best time was about 40. Right, you know, that's why that's to. not bad. Have you tried to I mean, up, be about 50? Have you tried to up your pace? Have you tried to up the pace? Or if you go early, do you find yourself? Well, no, I can't really. I can't go any faster than I can go. 
Well, that's not, not how running works, is it? You can, you can, <laughs> yeah, but no. then I'm sprinting, and but then if I'm sprinting, always, then no, I get... You're not. No, you get, you know, it's not just, not just poodling along or sprinting. There are, <laughs> you know, you could up the pace slightly, Andy, and just I've see if got, you can... I've only got if you short can't, legs. Well, if, you, if, you have, if you can't handle the pace, then drop back to your old pace. But if I was you, you might be surprised what you can achieve. Look oh. for the hero inside yourself. <laughs> I will. Our producer likes running. Moving he, on up and many more. He went for I'm several... Selling them people some greatest hits <laughs> albums marvelous. at the moment. That's he went right. for several runs when he was in Russia. He's only a short lad. Yeah, that's right. It's not about all your length of your legs. Tony Cotley was quite quick. <laughs> just he hasn't get, got very just long Just to get out of the hotel it was. <laughs> yeah, I think get away from was. us, I think. Yeah, I think it was, <laughs> probably. Yeah. probably. And, uh, so, uh, that's it, isn't it? Well, I just... Oh, you got something else? Oh, it's good. No carry There's on. a new app. The Vatican have brought out a new app. Have they really? Quite what easy. is it? It's a, not a dating app, is it? No, it's, a, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a click-to-pray e-rosary. So it's like a rosary on your phone. Oh, no, rosary right. on your phone? It's for modern people. Yeah. That's nice. So I might get some virtual worry beads. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't they? It's quite good, it's isn't a it? a nice idea. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Diego Maradona has discovered some more children. Has he? Apparently. Has <laughs> he really? It? Where? Yeah. Uh, which country? Which country were these in? That's a very good question. Let's have a look. And oh, I can't find it now. Okay. It, it's got quite a lot in Italy, if I remember Yeah, there rightly. was some in Cuba as well, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically there. anywhere he ever went on holiday, <laughs> it would seem, wouldn't it? He was quite boastful about it. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, it, actually, in, in Italy, he was in denial. He did, I mean, that, that was the excellent... Uh, that's if Capaldi documentary about him where he, right. you know, he wouldn't admit that that was his daughter until... It doesn't until say where, last. this one. It just, it just says that... He's got... How many more kids has he discovered? Well, if you count the four in Cuba, he's got a whole team. He has got the 11. He's got the 11. But this will be 12. Well, you need a sub. You've got to have someone to come off the bench and That's do right. a job. <laughs> Impact sub. I think his team got beaten 4-0 the other day. Yeah. Gymnasia, and they're not very good. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. <laughs> Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. Finally this afternoon, we turn to a new book uh, on the subject of uh, pigeon racing. Well, kind of. It's about more than that, actually. It's written by John Day. It's called uh, Homing, and uh, John joins us now. Good afternoon. Good to see Hello. you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure, John. It's, I mean, it's, it's, we're regarding it as a sports book, although, although it's more than that, because it's been long-listed for the sports book of the year, hasn't it? That's right. I was glad to hear that they considered pigeon racing a sport, too. Yeah. <laughs> because it is a sport. It has a long and noble history as a sport in, in Britain and in continental Europe, too. Yeah. I understand it was only, it was, it wasn't it Belgian miners that turned it into a sport? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, pigeon racing depends on, weirdly, although it's a kind of animal activity, it really only became a popular activity at, around 100 years ago with the railways and, and other things. And, and Belgian miners who spent all their days underground bred these birds that were getting increasingly good at finding their way home from far away. And so when the railways came along and other technology like the clocks by which pigeons are timed in at their home lofts, um, a new sport could emerge which used which transported pigeons away from their home lofts and then they'd all be released together and could fly home and you could time them very accurately. And this happened, yeah, as you say, in, in Belgium, in the, in the coal fields of Belgium about 100 years ago and then gradually moved across Europe. But apparently pigeon racing was the most popular sport by participation in, in the UK in the post-war years, in the 50s and 60s. Wow. So it has got a kind of noble history in this country. Are, are the pigeons that race, are they, they're not the same type of pigeons you get in Trafalgar Square or they are? They are the same species. They're all Columbolivia, which is the the, the genus to which all pigeons belong both the feral pigeons in the streets and also racing pigeons but they're you know they're thoroughbred birds and they've been selectively bred over the past few thousand years to mm. have this incomparable ability to, to home there are loads of different mm. fancy breeds of birds that you know many people might be familiar with pouters with 
big pronounced um, you know pouches at the front of their necks and so on. But homing pigeons are bred just to home, and as I say, it's been a, they've been living quite close to humans for about some people think about eight thousand years. So it's it's it's, t- it's taken a while, but over that time, they can now home from up to seven hundred miles away, no problem. So it's... The, 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 as we said, the book is is, is kind of more than about more than pigeon racing. Is it you you'd been interested in pigeons before, but it's only when you moved to East London and kind of settled down, and had the children and stuff uh, that you yeah. kind of. You, you you got your own loft and you kind of got interested yeah, in it that's as partly, a sport. Partly practical because I had a garden for the first time. So, right. I, so I had, but as you say, I always had this interest in, in pigeons. I used to rescue them, feral birds, much to my parents' annoyance from the streets of London <laughs> and try and look after them. And they all flew away. And so when I moved home about five years ago and started having a family and, and realised that actually, you know, home is this, uh, well, you know, needing to stay put in one place for a long time, which is what home, training home pigeons requires, would give me this opportunity to reanimate this childhood interest I had so yeah I built a loft in my garden and and bought a few pedigree racing pigeons and joined a local pigeon racing club one of the few clubs that survives in London which happened to be the most competitive lo- uh, club mm. in London too so I haven't had great success as a racer <laughs> I should say it's it, very much as an amateur yeah the book's full of interesting facts I mean for example I, I didn't realize this that I, you just think that p- the pigeon will come back in the shortest possible distance but you say they don't do they they follow roads they do all sorts of yeah stuff. well there, there's sort of two sides to that I suppose one is that they navigate often around the loft in particular using um, landmarks using uh, they like using pilotage biologists call it so they like straight lines they like following clearly defined routes and often they correspond to human infrastructure so they'll follow canals or, or motorways there's amazing video footage a group of scientists at oxford university strapped a camera to a pigeon's head and you can watch it following a roundabout and taking the right exit <laughs> for home. Yeah, it's, it's incredible but also they don't like to fly over so they, they're quite low flying birds generally they like to avoid hawks obviously so they fly at the bottom of valleys they don't go mm. over mountains they don't fly over the open ocean if they can help it or over um uh, uh, tree, tree, you know, for forest because obviously there might be birds of prey hiding there. So they they tend to follow. I mean, no one really. One of the exciting things about pigeon racing, not that it's much of a spectator sport, but no one really knows the journeys they take. So there's there's this kind of imaginative mm. romance to it. You can't yeah. really tell. You where couldn't the birds televise have been. it, could you? Really? I mean, what it would, would be pretty do? tricky. Yeah, there were GoPros <laughs> on the little GoPros on their backs. Yeah, I suppose you could. So, yeah. I did do that. I bought a little camera on eBay and strapped it to one of them and got some footage of them flying around the loft. But um, what there are now in 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 South Africa and a couple of other places are what they call one loft races where all the birds are racing to one loft that they're trained in to live yeah. and that's a bit more of a climactic finish because obviously all the birds are arriving mm. at the same place but yeah you're right traditional pigeon racing the, the pigeon men say there's one start line but a thousand finishing gates because obviously each bird is flying back to its home individual so how home do they loft. judge it then do, do it's, you have to be it's judged on uh, average velocity flown rather than total time flown so a quick bird can beat a, a slow bird over a longer distance often so and sometimes there's quite a big discrepancy if you're fi- if you're racing against people in your club that can be within maybe five miles of each other but if you're in a in a big race um, a combine race it's called where different clubs are racing together you can be racing against people who might have to fly pigeons that might have to fly 50 or 100 miles shorter than you do and often the pigeons that are racing longer do still win so there doesn't mm. seem to be you know pigeons will be, are able to maintain their speed over a, a long period uh, of time apart from being picked off by hawks occasionally they just join a band of feral pigeons they don't, don't always they? make like, it home is this, this is the line saying, yeah. one of yours yeah. disappeared for about six so sometimes they yeah. just decide to kind of have, a, have a, take it take the slow route <laughs> sometimes so they you do thought they, the, I think you thought break. the pigeon had gone forever did That's you after right, six yeah. weeks well i've lost a few occasionally and, and you think well 
what's happened to that and then yeah they might you never you never really know what's happened to them unless you get a confirmed reporting so sometimes they might emerge i think one one of mine went missing for as you say six weeks from cambridge i never knew where it went and it just turned up and looked fine sometimes you get a phone call from someone you know if, if i fly from the north so all my birds are coming down the country from the north and sometimes you'll get a phone call from someone in newcastle saying oh you know i've got one of your pigeons in my loft it's followed my birds in and mm. Sometimes I'll ask them to go away and like release it far, from far away from their loft, and it will make its way home. But if sometimes it will go back to their loft, and I have to send a courier to go and pick it up. So. <laughs> the the um, you kind of drive further and further away from home from the loft to kind of build up, don't you? That's what you see. You take them yeah. stage by stage training, further away. Training process. Train them yeah, that's them right. Back, so you yeah. begin just by getting them used to being in the loft and responding to your call when you feed them, and then after a few months, when they're a few months old, they'll, they'll start flying around the loft of their own accord. Quite, and sometimes they'll go out of sight and stay out all day, and that's always quite nervous racking yeah. and that's the time at which they're building up their map of the local area but once they can do that quite confidently and they're fit enough you can start training them from the road so you put them in a basket and you take them first just a mile away probably a place they've flown to before let them out and get them used to coming back into the loft and trapping and then as soon as they're beating you back from that distance you can double it and you can do that progressively until you get to race distance which first race for me is about mm. 70 miles away so once they're homing from about 70 miles then so you go in your car or whatever can't drive way. actually I have to do it all on my bike wow. bike, bike yeah which right, is so why I didn't do very well I think okay <laughs> so you presumably the pigeon's going to get home miles before you do yeah that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean you want them to as well people who train them with the car that's the rule if, if they're beating you back home then you can take them the, the double the distance if you beat them back home then they need another toss from the same oh, side that's very the, interesting the and the, throughout the book is the story of a, of a race isn't it from up you release the pigeon up in Thurso in a car park yeah that's right well um, I didn't release it but I sent it off to this so the Thurso um, combine is one of the big biggest races in the season for, right. for, for my club anyway and that's uh, as you say it's the most northern northernmost town in the British Isles it's about 504 miles back to me in London and I did send some birds up to that race last year um, and you know Partly what I try and do in the book is imagine the journey they may have taken. Obviously, I can't confirm it, yeah. but I try to sort of plot it. And occasionally people will ring in and say, I've seen the birds flying over, you know, Cleveland, wherever it might be. And, and so you get a sense of, and, I, and a few of the birds I, I lost along the way were reported by people. So I know one one guy called me up and said, oh, I found one of your birds in, in, in Edinburgh, got run over by a car uh -huh. very tragically. But at least I knew that then that the birds had sort of flown over Edinburgh. So I, I was able to reconstruct roughly their journey. And that's yeah. the story that sort of, I hope pulls the book together. And is it um, an easy is it an easy sport to get into? I mean, you say it's a game. Is it is it expensive initially? No, are they a welcoming uh, sort yeah, of brotherhood? Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, they, you know, they're all united by this fascination with mm. with, with with these birds and a love of these birds and a, and and a kind of amazement that they're able to do these things. Yeah, the barriers to entry I would say are very low. All you need is is, is space and time. You need somewhere to build a loft. Birds can be had very cheaply. Most clubs are very welcoming and will breed you some birds if you if you. Um, you know, express an interest. I mean, the sad thing is it's a dwindling sport in this country. Yeah. So most pigeon racers I know are very keen to try and get new people to join the club and keep a few birds themselves. And it is, apart from the time and, and space commitment, you know, very cheap. Um, I'd, I'd urge everyone to have a go and try and rethink of the what they might not think of as a particularly lovely creature. Yeah, interesting, because they do get a bad press, so they get incredibly bad press. They've got so terrible they, 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 PR, yeah. Yeah, they do. Well, hopefully this will go some way to redressing that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was uh, this afternoon's show. We're back tomorrow. Kumar Sangakara and Richard Osman, together at last. Absolutely. They've got their new game show. <laughs> Cricket-based game show, How's That? If only that... I bet Richard, if he, we say that, he'll write that in a margin somewhere. <laughs> he'll be on within a month. He will. So anyway, uh, we will catch up with you tomorrow. 
been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.